That is a significant jump of 3.4 million persons from 2004. And identity theft is considered a crime against a person, but it also is a crime of opportunity. It is often committed through some sort of networking. And it can take an individual a long time to recover from it, if they even recover at all. Because more than just a, a, a crime where it takes your information and uses your information inappropriately, it also takes a portion of your character. Because now, because you have been this victim, sometimes your credit is having issues. And sometimes family members don't initially believe that it was just simply a crime of incidents. King Darius became king at the age of 62 years old. And King Darius knew that it was important as a fairly new king to protect his interests. So he appointed 120 governors to watch over the providences where he ruled. And with that, he appointed three commissioners to watch over those 120 governors to make sure that he did not become the victim of theft way back then, including identity theft. Because you see, when you are a governor and when you were a administrator in the government, the word of the king came through you oftentimes to the common people and the king, and they could use the name of the king and say, the king wants this of you and people would surrender it because they wanted to be honorable to the king. Daniel, many of us knew the story about Daniel and the lion's den, but we didn't understand how Daniel got there. Daniel got to the lion's den because he was one of the administrators that was set to overlook these governors and, and make sure that the governors did not misappropriate, they did not misuse, they did not abuse their authority, they did not abuse their power, and they did not misuse the king's name, and the king would not suffer any great loss. So the king trusted these people that he put in place, then he put governors over them that he trusted even more. And Daniel was one of those individuals, but, but, but the, if you read this text even a little bit further, you'll find out that Daniel was a man of great character. Daniel was a man of great disposition. And Daniel was a man that can be trusted because the very thing that he believed in, which was his God, he lived his life to the fullest, to his love for his God. This network of 120 governors and the other two administrators, the other two commissioners, didn't like Daniel for one simple reason. Daniel was such a great man and such a trustworthy man that the king himself had ideas about making Daniel ruler over all of the territory. And the others said, hmm, let's find out something about his character that we can use against him. And they went to find something about his character, but they couldn't find anything about his character. 
So because they couldn't find anything about his character, the one thing that they did, they realized that, hey, wait a minute. He's in exile. He's not really one of us. He doesn't belong really with us. And he worships a God that's different from the God that we worship. And that's the biggest thing that we can use against him. They knew something about him. They used his information against him. So they went to the king and they had this conversation with the king. And the king did not realize he himself now was getting ready to become a victim. But they went to the king and they said, king, oh king, may you live forever. You know, kind of pumping the king up a little bit. Getting him excited. Hmm. What did I find? Okay. And so they pumped the king up and they said, king, listen, you're doing such a wonderful job as a king. You're, you're such a great king. We need you to do us a favor because we want to honor you. You see how this works? When the enemy uses people, he does not care who he uses, but he uses them in a way that honors them more than it honors God. I'm so grateful for that worship music. And they went to the king and said, king, we want you to be recognized. We want you to make this decree according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which is a law or a creed that cannot be broken because of the way that it was established. That, that if anyone worships any other person or any other God other than you, that they would be found guilty. And that they could be sent to death. Thank you, Kenzie Lennox. And so, while this was going on and the decree was written, Daniel heard about the decree. And, and this is kind of where we pick up on the text. Daniel makes it a point. He says, wait a minute. I need to secure my identity. I know who I am. I need to secure my identity, and the only way I can secure my identity is with my faith. Because my faith is what made me who I am. And even though something is going on behind the scenes that's trying to rob me of my joy and my peace and my, my love and my faith, I must maintain my identity. So Daniel did like he did normally. He would go to his room, he would open up the windows, he would face Jerusalem, and he would pray three times a day like he normally did. Thank you, Cameron Butler. And so when Daniel would pray three times a day, these men saw this and they said, ha, ha, we got him now. We, we have him where we want him. The king wants to use him, but we have him. And they went to the king and said, oh, king. You know, flattery again. Sometimes you have to be careful when people are flattering you. They don't really mean you any good. Oh, king. You know that, may you live forever. Didn't you make the decree that if any person worshiped any other God or any other person, that they would be guilty and they could be sentenced to death? And the king was excited because, the, see, he, he didn't realize he was giving up a part of who he was and he didn't realize he was laying down a part of his own life because he didn't realize he was giving up some trust to some people that he should not trust. And he said, yes, I made that 
He got excited. He said, well, you know that, that Daniel, that exile, he prays like he used to. The Bible says the king became displeased. He became sore. He became vexed in his spirit because he realized then what had happened. And now the only thing he could do is hope for a positive outcome. See, sometimes when you become a victim of identity theft, you don't know what to do. And sometimes you don't know who to go to. And you, and, and, and you just hope for a positive outcome, especially when you're a Christian and someone is attacking your identity. Maybe it's something that happened 15, 20 years ago in your life. And, and, you, and you're grown up now and you're, you're more mature and, and you won't do those things. But someone wants to attack your identity anyway. Why? Because they want to destroy the person that you have become. And so the Bible tells us that the king had to honor his word and Daniel was put into the lion's den. But the king recognized his problem and he recognized his sorrow and he, he said this. He said, Daniel, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, Daniel, I hope your God can find a way to keep you out of this one. And after he had told Daniel that, in accordance to the law, that, that, that Daniel was in the lion's den with the, with the lion, and they rolled the stone over the door so Daniel couldn't escape. And the king went home that night, and he cried. I believe the king went home that night, and he, he started to pray to, not knowing which God to pray for, but I believe he began to pray. And when the king went back the next morning, he found Daniel alive and well in the lion's den, and, and he, he went to Daniel, and Daniel said, listen, king, you, don't ha you didn't have to worry. I talked to my God about this, and because my identity, because of who I am was secured in him, because my character was secured in him, because I served my God with my whole heart, and because I gave God my everything, and I trust him with my life, God stayed the mouth of the lion, sealed his jaw shut. And he could not touch me. And the Bible says that the king got excited and showed him a great deal of love. He said, well, well, preacher, where are you going with this? And what does this have to do with me securing my identity? You see, every day that you live, we live in this world of convenience now. There's information being shared about you that you don't even know that it's being shared. Thank you, Luke Sellers. There's information being shared about you with others that don't, you don't know being shared. And there are networks that are working. And sometimes, even with your Christian faith, there are folks out there that do not like the fact that you worship the God of our salvation. And they wish you would just shut up with your praise and your worship. And they don't know that God has already spoken into your life and already told you, I have a place for you in worship. I have a place for you in ministry. I have a place for you in leading my people. 
You just have to continue to secure your identity and meaning in a society that does not believe we should pray like we do, a society that does not believe like we should worship like we do, a society that believes that we as Christians ought to turn over, turn our backs, and let everything happen around us and just ignore it. But I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to encourage you today, secure your identity in Christ. Pray, trust God, but live a righteous life so that when something does happen, if it does happen, someone will be able to stand up with you and say, wait a minute, I know Cameron's character. I know Kenzie's character. I know Luke's character. Then I know all of your characters. But more importantly, you will know your character. And that you will be able to trust God enough to persist through the storms of life. Even though sometimes the storms may seem not to stop raging for a period of time, you yourself will know enough about your God and have enough trust in your God that you will stand in the midst of adversity. You see, these two were a part of my network. And it happens just as simple as this. I asked them before we started today, I said, listen, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to one person that you trust, and I want you to get their ID. And I want you to bring it to me at this appointed time on stage. Were you nervous about that? Were you nervous about that? One said, not really, though, I'm saying a little bit. But one of the things I did behind the stage was try to build a level of trust with them so that they would know to bring that information to me. But they could not tell the persons whose ID they were getting why they wanted that ID. And that person had to trust them. You see, why I did that is because I want you to understand that the level of trust only goes as far as the character of the individuals who have the information. The level of trust only goes as far as the character that people decide that they want to maintain. And who knows in life when something is going to go away and someone's character gets out of whack and they decide to betray your trust. But do you trust God enough to see you through that betrayal? Do you believe God enough? Will you live for God enough so that you might be able to stand in that day of adversity that will come your way? Secure your identity. There are all kinds of identity theft protection 
plans out there that you can purchase a billion-dollar industry right now, but there's nothing that secures your soul more than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I pray just a second? Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. And even as this day goes on, I pray now, Father, that we would learn and that we, we would do everything in our power to make sure that our character and our integrity is intact and that we have truly, truly learned how to protect our Christian identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen.